0: So Colossians, and I'll start in chapter 2. And I'll begin in verse 16 just to kind of get it all in context and, and some of the things that uh, Paul's dealing with here in Colossians. And it, and it ties in with a lot of the stuff we were talking about in Ephesians. And, and I think we've even looked at some of this stuff in Colossians before. <laughs> but as I was thinking about and just meditating and trying to see what direction to go today with what the Holy Spirit had for us and uh, with having communion today and and thinking about Christ's death burial and resurrection and and the importance of not just his death but his resurrection Uh, we we talk a lot about his death we talk a lot about his blood because he paid that price you know he's uh, that sacrificial lamb he's the one that was slain before the foundation of the world he's the ultimate uh, sin offering and yet without the resurrection we're of all men most miserable Uh, the, the resurrection really just sums it all up it's it's the beauty of it it's the glory of it and and as important as it is to talk about his death and to look at his sacrifice and to remember his blood and and I'd never devalue that in any way even more so Important is the fact that he was resurrected from the dead as the first fruits uh, from the dead and the fact that we will all rise to meet him in the air. Uh, you look at in the, the New Testament, and we understand that Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father. He's on his throne, and which makes it really significant when Stephen was martyred, uh, with the first Christian martyr. And he looks up and he sees Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father, actually getting up from his throne saying, Okay, here's the first martyr. Let me welcome him in. And the the vision I see and the the understanding I have as I was looking at Revelation this week is Jesus seated at his throne. He's waiting for all of his enemies to be brought under his feet. That last enemy that we brought under his feet is death. The martyrs continue to be martyred. You can look it up and around the world, uh, individuals are being martyred in uh, Korea and different places. Individuals being uh, burned and just all different stuff, uh, beaten Uh, killed uh, for their witness of Christ. Uh, The martyrs still coming in, Jesus. And now he's seated as the martyrs come in until that time when he says enough is enough and he's going to stand up on the throne. And I, I I was looking at John in Revelation and here he is before the throne of God and he sees all the beasts that are there around the throne with all these wings and eyes all around and and the twenty-four elders and uh, all the beauty and majesty, tens of thousands of thousands of angels around the throne of God and they're just singing and they're worshiping God and they're all around the throne and then there's this scroll and it's written on both sides, front and back. I mean, the, the words are so valuable, man, you're gonna fill up this scroll with the words, but it's sealed with seven seals and John's just weeping. And he's like, man, there's no one worthy to open the seals. But then he's told, but wait, the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy. That lamb that was slain. And then he sees Jesus as if a lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Who stands up? To open the seals on this scroll. And as those seals begin to be opened, we see these horsemen start to come out. And we see wars, we see rumors of wars, we see famine, we see pestilence, we see all these things, but we see Jesus standing. And we see these all this strong, all these individuals underneath the throne that were slain for their testimony. And they're saying, how long, O Lord, before our blood is avenged? And he says, well, come on, let me show you what's going on. And he gives these white robes and he said come on with me <laughs> let's go get the other ones and he comes in the clouds of glory and there's earthquakes the sun's darkened the moon's turned to blood and there's this loud trumpet blast and we look up and we rise first those who are dead in Christ rise to meet him in the air and then we rise to join with him and in that heavenly throng and just a little bit later we look in John's in Revelation and he's like where did all these people come from (laughs) he's like man these are ones from every tribe every nation every kindred and so I'm looking forward to that day as Jesus stands up you know I I look at the the parables that Jesus said about uh, this master and this owner uh, this king this ruler that goes on this long journey but then one day, he comes back from the journey, and he says, well, what are the stewards doing with what they have? And there's that time coming when he's coming back from the journey. And I see us now in a new age and in a new time, and I, and I look at it this way. All this time, he's been, you know, he's had his back to us kind of. He's walking away. He's on this journey. And it's like he's got to the end, and he's turned around, and he's coming back. And so his light is shining brighter. For those of us that know the Lord, for those of us that have a relationship with him, we can see the brightness, we can see the glory more and more. We can see the presence of the Lord more and more. But when he comes back, he's going to ask, what did you do with what I gave you? There is going to be an accounting. Listen, every speck of dust, every molecule of air, every ray of sunlight belongs to him. What are you doing with it? He gave you a stewardship over it. What can you do with what He's given you? No matter how weak you are, no matter how strong you are, no matter how much you have, how much authority you have, how much money you have, how much power you have, you can do something with what you have for the glory of God and you will give an account for it. Be productive in the kingdom when He returns. And that's a good message to share with others. <laughs> Warn the idol. <laughs> Encourage the timid and help the weak. So in Colossians, you know, there's there's all these disputes that always go on in the church, in the body of Christ, in all the different structures. I mean, even today... Uh, you can go around, you could, you could probably drive down the street where there's different churches and you'll see signs and one of them will say hey happy Easter, we're having an Easter egg hunt another one will say Resurrection Sunday and and another one will say uh, well we only do it on Saturday because that's the Sabbath and they'll all have their all different ideas and they'll all talk about all and, and oh and this one's wrong because they, they said Easter and Easter's a, a goddess and that's a pagan thing so you really shouldn't do that so we only say Resurrection Sunday you know and, and, and we never celebrate Halloween but you can come to our harvest party, and and you can you know, and just all these different disputes and disputes, and the, and they'll argue against this one, and this one complain about that one, and the the fighting and bickering and all these different things back and forth, and instead of just coming together in love, instead of trying to work together and trying to understand each other, instead of trying to find a way to be productive with what we have, a lot of the resources within even the kingdom of God, within the church structure, within so many individuals is used fighting each other arguing with each other, trying to say, but wait, I'm right, great, (laughs) wonderful, you're right, (laughs) good for you, (laughs) oh, happy day, (laughs) but I'm right too, oh, no, no. what are we going to (laughs) do? Let's fight about it. Oh, that'll be real productive. As a matter of fact, you know what we really need to do? We need to fight in front of all the unbelievers so that they can see that Christians fight too. Man. Let's show them how angry and bitter we can get.
1: Oh, man. How far is a mile? How far can you walk? Say, can you turn the switch off
0: today? Uh, oh, man. It's, just, it's endless. <laughs> you can't kindle a flame, but you can yeah. hit the button on the coffee maker. Yeah, you can. Yeah. Or you, can, uh, you, know, you, you, can't, you can't burn a flame. Do they have an app for that? Uh, <laughs> can... Oh, wait. nobody. <laughs> 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 can I? <laughs> Actually, ask them if they got an app for that. That would be really on. good. Because that would save work. To have the app. See, so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's actually what the Talmud is. So the is written app.
1: What you
0: can do, what you can't do, and so, Colossians chapter 2, verse 16 Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to religious festival. Uh, a new moon celebration, or a Sabbath day. Uh, these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, is, however, is found in Christ. And here Paul's just like, you know, he's, he's dealt with some of these issues, and I, I'm reading from the New International Version. He's talked about it, and finally he's like, listen, you know, you know what? You need to make sure you're serving God, you're doing whatever it is you're doing for God. Uh, don't worry about the other people. And if other people are out there trying to judge you and all that stuff, you know, just don't worry about it. Don't let them be judging you. Don't let if if you're doing it, as long as you're doing it to God, because listen, all of these things are just a shadow. The reality is Christ. All of these things are a shadow. The reality is Christ. And then he goes on. He says, Do not let anyone who delights in false humility And worship of angels disqualify you for the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unscriptural mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews grows as God causes it to grow. And this is one of those things, you know, talking about you know, the elect being deceived uh, was mentioned earlier, and different things like that, the false teachers that come up in the last days, and some of the different just errors that will come up in the church. And what happens is individuals, you know, they may even have successful ministries. they're they're doing different things, and they may have a lot that's right in what they're doing. But it's real easy to fall into this point where, they have this false humility, and they're like, oh, I'm receiving this from God, but it's starting to where their natural mind is taking some of the things of God, and they start formulating these things. And one of the ways that you'll know uh, that that's happening is because they'll go into all these details. And, and here's the way to look. It'll be like, okay, now if you look at this verse over here, you'll see that blah, 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 blah. Now go over here, okay, and see the da, 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 da. You, you, you notice any cult groups that'll do that? Is there any ones that you ever heard of, like Jehovah Witnesses? And okay, then go over here. Da, da, da. So now, if this, then that, because of here. Oh, one more verse over here. Ta-da! There you go, touchdown. And, you know, and they go into all these details, all these. Comp- God understands how stupid we are, <laughs> how ignorant we are, um, how simple-minded we are. He communicates in very simple ways. He makes it very obvious. He's very, it's very easy to understand God. Not that sometimes you might not look at things from various places in Scripture and see how they tie together and all those things. That's fine. But when you're making these complicated things, and it's got to be exactly this here and this here, and, uh, you're starting to get into some of that. And he says what happens is you start to get disconnected from the head and get kind of puffed up and doing your own thing. And we need to be aware of that in the times we're in. I, you can see uh, different teachings that are out there, different ideas about the times we're in, different things. you know, uh, you, we got the the situations that's just happening recently with the with the four blood moons happening on various Jewish holidays, and then the uh, lunar eclipse in, be- in between. I know you're talking about one of the books you're looking at on that. And it, And you know it's significant. God uses these things as signs and indications, but you know what? He's pretty simple because he's who he's dealing with. And to me, if I see a blood moon on the Passover, I'm thinking, you know what? I better have the blood of the lamb over my household. (laughs) Otherwise there's a death angel that's coming. Maybe it's a pretty good reminder to me, look to the lamb. Remember the blood. Am I covered? Am I washed? Am I looking to him for my righteousness? Am I looking to him for my salvation? Uh, is it his blood that's going to save me? Or is it is some other process, some other work, uh, some other thing that I'm looking to for salvation? Uh, boy, that's a pretty good message in itself. (laughs) How about that? There is a time coming when the sun's going to be darkened and the moon turning to blood, but it being the blood moons and and a a solar eclipse doesn't really equate with the way it comes in scripture. I mean, you look at the crucifixion of Jesus. I mean, it's just boom, earthquake, sun, dark, you know, all these things happening. And it's like a a sudden event that they're not ready for. And it just kind of, whoa, here it is. And that's really the way scripture lays it out. And so as we see all these different things and all these different times, uh, the thing we need to remember is for each of us to know our part and to play the part we have, we need the body fit together, working together, letting those sinews, that love that's flowing, working together so that because what happens is if we're connected with the body, that helps us stay connected with the head. And that keeps us grounded. Um, It can be very easy for individuals, especially when their ministries get bigger and they're more successful and they have different media and all these different things, to be able to get to a point where they can really kind of separate a little bit and kind of have their own little thing because they almost have their own body. And so they can be the head. Um, And we need more and more for all. Uh, the leaders, for all the bodies of Christ, individual uh, local bodies, to be working together and uniting together communities, uh, all the believers in the communities, irregardless of if we go different places to worship on Saturday, Sunday, Wednesday, whenever it is, that we end up loving each other, having that brotherly love and working together for the purposes that Christ has for us. It could very well be that God has a place for us in different Churches in different buildings, in different places. Uh, I'd love to see the Spirit of God just permeate all the different churches.
1: <laughs> what, what happens we, when you go in that route, like you're talking about? You become a hypocrite. I mean, you know, for example, you you know, you go to a uh, to a sacred name or you know, uh, church service and/or Bible study, and then you go to a biker. Yeah. <laughs> uh, thing. You know what I mean? And and the two nether worlds. Yeah. Two completely different worlds. You know? yeah. and, it's, uh, and it's exactly what
0: you're talking yeah. about. Um, going on to chapter 3. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. And here, you know, here he's talking about that body being built together, he's talking about that um, importance of having it. Um, and um, well, let, let me just um, read that last verse before chapter 3 to kind of put it in there. Um, such. Uh, going back to the res- re- regulations and stuff, um, I might as well read that section before I go there. So verse 20, uh, since you died with Christ to the basic principles of this world, why, as though you still belong to it, do you submit to its rules? And, and here he's dealing with the death of Christ and he's saying, listen, you died to all the things of this world, whether it's, you know, special days, holidays, whether it's the foods you're eating, whether it's, you know, religious tradition, whether it's laws, whatever it is, you're dead to all this stuff of this world. Why do you still live like you're part of the world? It's for freedom that Christ set you free, he says in Galatians, another thing. And again, uh, as Spike alluded to earlier, not that you use your freedom as an excuse to sin. All things are permissible but not everything's expedient. Uh, There is that freedom we have and yet to know, okay, but how do we operate within this freedom rightly? Uh, How do we uh, operate with those laws that are written on our heart? How do we do a thing? Uh, A group of true believers that are committed to Christ and following his teaching and walking in his spirit don't need a big government over them to tell them what to do and what they can do, what's right, what's wrong, because the Spirit of God's inside of them and it's going to take care of itself. As a matter of fact, if you had even a large group of believers that were really committed and really working and walking in the Spirit, you really wouldn't have a whole lot of problems. (laughs) The problem is that flesh (laughs) gets in the way. Clinging to things of the world get in the way. Cares of this world get in the way. Uh, ideas and thoughts and focuses on this world and our flesh and things get in the way. Pride gets in the way. Ego gets in the way. Emotions get in the A lot of things get in the way of that. <laughs> Biggest problem with the church, it's a great system, great idea, but if it wasn't for the people, I mean, it would work out great.
1: Who would go against our righteous conscience?
0: Yeah,
1: We we, we all have a righteous conscience. If we we accepted Jesus, we have a righteous conscience. And when we go against that, we know better. That's where the problem is.
0: Yeah, you'll know even without someone telling you you did wrong. But if you keep going down the path, it gets easier and easier. And then you get to the point where you do what is called self-justification. It's wrong, but... You know what, you should forgive so-and-so. Yeah, but they hurt me so bad. Yeah, but the Bible says to forgive, like Christ forgave you. Yeah, but you don't understand what happened here. You know what, you, sh- you should really give. You should be more generous in, in your giving into in the church and things like that. Yeah, but I got, I got these extra bills I've got to take care of. You know what, you, sh- you should really help that person. Even though they're not doing right to you, you should really try to do something. You should pray for them, you know, even for that one that's just against you. Yeah, but you know what? They're against me. Yeah, but the Bible says self-justification. This is what the scripture says. But in my case, <laughs> I don't have to follow the scripture because cuz God obviously never realized all those loopholes. He didn't he didn't understand what our life was going to be like when he made all these things, you know, pray for those that despitefully use you and love those that curse you and all these different, you know, this, this oh yeah, he didn't If he knew our situation, he would have wrote it different. Yeah, he don't understand. That's being facetious. Okay, so, okay, going down. Um, uh, 21, uh, do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. These are all destined to perish with use because they are based on human commands and teachings. Such regulations, indeed, have the appearance of wisdom with their self-imposed worship, false humility and their harsh treatment of the body, but they lack any value in restraining sensual indulgence. So that you can have all these different things. Okay, you don't eat these certain things. You don't touch these certain things. You don't say Easter. You got to say, you know, Resurrection Sunday. You got all these different rules, all these different ideas, all these different thoughts, all these different laws. It's all going to perish. And it looks good. Hey, I'm imposing some things on myself. You know, it's really hard for me to only turn on the coffee pot and not light a flame you know that's oh boy Whew. I'm working hard for God yeah. <laughs> you know what today I had to spit and I had to spit on the rock and not in the dirt boy it was
1: oh boy that was hard work I, I used an electric burner rather than a gas flame
0: oh, oh there. That, yeah, that makes sense <clears throat> and then uh, chapter 3. Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. You died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. And that's the thing I just kind of alluded to earlier as we we started. I mean, Since we're dead, we need to fix our eyes on Jesus, that one that's seated on the right hand of God. In Ephesians, you know, it talks about how we are seated with him uh, next to God, right there with him, because we are part of his body. As a matter of fact, it says all spiritual blessings are given to us in heavenly realms. How does he give us the heavenly blessings in heavenly realms because we are seated with him in heaven. So we fix our eyes on Jesus. We fix our eyes on the things above. We see this earth as just that temporary place. Think of it as Abraham traveling through the land, given this promised land, and yet he's living in a tent all the time, traveling from this part of the land, from that part of the land. And what did he do when he would go into an area? He would dig a well, he would uh, take care of the land. His animals would use the land. He would take care of the land with the well. And when he moved to another place, the other people came in, woohoo, here's a well. <laughs> and they'd come take it. And they were blessed because of Abraham's blessing and because he was being a good steward of where he was and he was doing something productive for the place. His animals left all their little droppings in the place where they were grazing and the grass grew a little better. And <laughs> the places were better after he was there than worse. Anywhere you go, anything you do, anything you touch, anything God gives you, you should be able to increase it in value and worth by the blessings of God in your life rather than consuming it and destroying its worth. In other words, we can be producers instead of consumers. And that's why as God gives us blessings and we share those blessings with others, you know what happens? We get more and more blessings because we're being productive. Think of it as a fruit tree where it's producing fruit, but then you prune it and it produces even more fruit. As you give that away, as you take that part, it looks like waste. You know, we're talking about trying to, our grapes properly the other day and it's like, man, I need to cut a whole bunch of this stuff back because I kind of let it just go wild. Oh, but you'll get less. Oh, but you'll get more. Oh, but it doesn't look like more because there's less of it. You know? <laughs> it works. <laughs> the same thing with what God gives you. There's a way that we can be productive. And since we are dead with Christ, we need to look toward the resurrection of Christ. We need to focus on the fact that He is coming back again because when He appears, we're going to appear with Him. Boy, what that that make a good Hollywood movie. huh? <laughs> Whoa, how did that happen? <laughs> you know, wow, glory to God. Uh, the, the horror, the terror, the pain, the anguish that people are going through now is nothing compared to when he comes in glory. And at the very same time that in heaven there's this new song being sung, worthy is the lamb. He is worthy because he was slain. He can open the seals. All the the songs and the worship and the glory of God, uh, all the noise in heaven will be so gloriful and worshiping it on earth as he comes in judgment, horror and pain and agony and misery as people actually hide in caves and in clefts of the rock. And if you thought, oh, hiding in caves doesn't make sense years ago because there's not that many caves, there are all kinds of bunkers and places built underground and government places and all different places places around the world where hundreds and even thousands of people can go and hide and kings of the earth can go and hide and cry out hide us from the wrath of the lamb because the day of reckoning is going to come and the blood that is spilt is going to be given an account for and woe to them that have to give an account you better have the blood of the lamb on you Or it's going to be your blood that's going to be spilled. And there's going to be torment forever and ever. Focus on Jesus. Focus on heaven. Look to those things that are above. Look to those things that are in heavenly realms. Focus on the idea of the resurrected Lord. And instead of walking around in our lives, and let this be the message for this year, and as as we continue on through this season of spring and, and the time that we're in, new life. Don't focus on the old. Don't focus on the death. Don't focus on your miserable life and all your flesh and all your sin and all your problems and all the weakness and all the the things that are happening. Don't focus on the death of Jesus. Focus on the resurrection. Say, I am a new creature in Christ. All those old things have passed away. I have become a new being. I am going to live as a new being. I am going to walk in a new life. I am going to walk in the spirit of life because I am set free from the of sin and death, and when others try to hold me down and give me all these rules and all these ideas and all these thoughts and all these things that are not of God, I am going to walk past them because I'm walking on a path of righteousness that comes from the blood of Jesus, and I'm going to walk in his spirit and in truth and in power and victory, and I'm going to go forth with life. I'm going to go forth with power. I'm going to be productive, and whatever God gives me, God, show me how I can make it more productive for your kingdom. Multiply it. Even if all you have is a few little loaves of bread, a couple little fish or something, you know what? You could feed thousands. Verse 5, uh, "...put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to the earthly nature, sensual immorality, impurity, lust, evil uh, desires, greed, which is idolatry. because of these the wrath of God is coming." And you don't want to be part of the wrath of God. You used to walk in these ways of life, once lived. But now you must rid yourselves of all such things as these. Anger, rage, malice, slander, filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in the knowledge, in the image of its creator. And if you want to know how to help yourself get to that point and move more and more into that depth of what God has for you, get away from the anger, the malice, all these different things that are there, Have that renewal of the knowledge of who God is. Have that renewal of the knowledge of Jesus. Have that renewal in that relationship with Him. Uh, Have that intimacy with Him. Talk to Him. Pray to Him. Commune with Him. Meditate on His Word. Uh, Understand who God is, not who man says He is, but who God really is. Look to the Scripture. Look to nature and look out and see how he created things and understand uh, your God better and has that knowledge of who he is, knowledge of his love. Who is this one that would sacrifice his one and only for the most miserable sinner? For the one that you hate the most, the one that has given you the most anguish, and I know nobody here hates, the one that has been the most problems in your life, that one God sent his son down to die for. Who is that God that would do that type of thing? The one that hurt you the most. Uh, God sent his son down to die for them. Understanding uh, this God all the more uh, and going on in verse 11. There is no Greek or Jew, circumcision, uncircumcision, barbarian, Scythian, slave, free, but Christ is all and in all, and in the body of Christ, and I know we understand it here. I mean, there, there's no divisions. You don't don't separate it. It's not you know. There's not a black church and a white church and, a, and an Oriental church and all this stuff. It's all body of Christ. If we're if we're followers of Christ, it all works together. There, there's not even male female uh, in the body of Christ. It's all one. And therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievance you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. And here, you know, just, just so good that the, the way he covers this, he just says you need to clothe yourself with something. What? Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patientness, Patience. And bearing with each other. How many you know sometimes we have to bear with each other? Sylvia, you got to bear with me? No? Okay. <laughs> I, I, was, I was surprised she didn't say amen. I have to bear with these ones on the back seat back here. Um, and then, you know, going on and forgiving as Christ forgave us. And sometimes that's, that could be really a struggle for us. Someone does us wrong. They really did something wrong. They really hurt us. They really, uh, you know, it could be really severe. Um, and to, to be able to forgive them, even if they're not asking for forgiveness, to forgive them. I know some believers are like, well, if they ask me, then I'll forgive them. But I won't forget. <laughs> um, but Christ forgave us while we were yet sinners. We weren't looking for God when Christ died for our sins. Uh, he did and paid the price while we were still against Him. We weren't running out saying, Jesus, would you please die on the cross for us? We really need forgiveness. No, he did it before uh, any of that. And to be able to get to that point in our lives where no matter how bad someone does something to us or to our family members, to our loved ones, how destructive they are, to be able to actually forgive them. And now if it's really something very severe, there may be a little bit of a process involved with that. You know, God, I think, understands that. Um, It could be really hard to instantly do that, you know, someone kills somebody you love right next to you or something like that. But to be able to move toward that, to, to know that that is something you're going to get to that point to move toward, to work on, to to be. Uh, you know, I've talked about before, you know, praying for someone that, that's really been against you or that's, that's done these things to hurt you. And you may have to force yourself to do it initially. You just know, oh, God, get them. And, I don't, you know, and then you get to, you know, where finally you're actually praying and desiring for them to grow in the Lord or to know the Lord or to get closer to the Lord or, or whatever it may happen to be, to, to actually pray blessings on their lives and actually get to the point where you actually want to see them blessed and you grieve when they continue to do the things that they were doing. Um, and you can get to that point. It may be hard to start it, <laughs> but keep moving toward it. You know, it, it, it's, it's all a process. It's all a walk uh, that we have. And then, uh, you know, he, he talks about how with all these things, you know, put on love. Because if that love is there, the love that comes from God, God is love, being able to allow him to be there and working in all these things, you know what, it just kind of puts it all together. It brings that unity. It makes it work. Uh, And it gives us the ability to to be able to forgive, to be able to love, to be able to not be fighting and bickering with other believers because of something they're doing wrong, (laughs) and we're right, Um, to be able to just still love them, and just say, you know, but God, how can I be a positive influence in my life? How can I help them? Uh, Just telling someone, you're wrong and don't do that, doesn't necessarily help a whole lot, (laughs) but being able to love them and maybe demonstrate the right way to do it and be able to, to show them productivity you know what, productivity can really speak to people. They see blessings, they see productivity, they see fruit, they see all that stuff going, you know. At some point, people have to look at their lives and if they're unproductive and they're just consuming and go, why do they always have? Why are they always given? Why, why is there so much productivity here? Why are they so wealthy? I'm not necessarily talking about money, but just things of God, fruit of the Spirit. Yeah. And I'm not. They're productive, you're not. And ending with, uh, in verse 15, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, and as you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with gratitude in your hearts to, to God. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God our Father, through Him, And I know that's a, a section that we <clears throat> shared on before. But uh, so powerful to, to be able to get to that point where that piece of Christ is there, where it's ruling with us. And then as we are this body, as we work together, as we let the God, Word of God just dwell in us richly. And I think it's so interesting that it talks about how we teach and admonish each other. We need to be open to other individuals within the body teaching us and helping us and admonishing us maybe even at times we may need to be rebuked hopefully that's going to be by leaders but if people if we did somebody wrong they could come to us and say hey you did me wrong and we could talk about it and then we need to be open to doing that with others every single one of you has information about god and your walk with him and scripture that is valuable to other others of us And as we share with each other, as we teach one another, life experiences, various ways God's worked in our lives, and uh, various views of how you see things differently than others, we all grow stronger as a body. It's like um, an alloy, a good, strong alloy. Um, Sylvia, you want to get the kids in that so they can come for communion?
1: Sure. Thanks. Another thing we didn't mention, uh, forgotten prayers, we really need to keep those... uh, those victims uh you know in the bar in the ferry that drowned off the coast i mean i'm a ship captain and uh you know and i have licenses to operate boats like that not quite as big but just to have that on my mind to have i don't know i can't even fathom why that guy didn't abandon ship
0: yeah
1: well i could immediately the engineer should have been there assess the damage hey we're going down. get off the boat yeah he told them to go in their cabin
0: yeah, they were telling them to actually stay in their cabins. I guess. I, I can't guess. Yeah. I can
1: stand that. Yeah, I
0: just
1: yeah. can't stand
0: that. Maybe
1: something a
0: false sense of security in the actual ship itself, rather than in the knowledge of what was happening. Kind of a kind of a Titanic mindset. Maybe, oh. maybe
1: another scenario is just that he wasn't gonna maybe pride got in there. He wasn't gonna have to you know you know abandon the ship or or, yeah. or it was all gonna be okay. And then what happened was. All of a sudden, it must have rotated more than it was too late. But it ain't too late to to get out of that boat, I mean, you know, what are you doing? Staying on the stand? I I just couldn't, I I Uh, just can't understand that. Yeah. You know? Something something went wrong. Something was bad
0: wrong. Amen. Um, okay, we're going to participate in communion as we think about the body and the blood of Christ and the way that we all work together and are all part of one body. And as as you, you take the body and and take the blood, you know, let, let that be your focus. You know, how do I fit in the body? What has God given me? How can I be productive in the body? Um, and what ways and what individuals? Who's around me? Are there individuals I need to forgive? Is there ways I can operate more in love? Um, is there things I can do to be more productive to those that are around me, to help others, to encourage others, to, to be that teacher? Maybe there's even some things God's laid on your heart uh, that you just haven't done. You know, let this be a new day. Let this be a new time. And as we, as we look at the, the body and blood of Christ and his death, let us not leave here focusing on his death, but let us leave here with new hearts focusing on the resurrection and focusing on new life and saying, this is a new day, irregardless of anything in the past. I'm walking in a new day, and things I did right in the past, I'm going to do some more of. Things I didn't do right in the past, I'm going to make some changes in my life. I'm going to be more productive. I'm going to find ways. I'm going to cut some of these ties, some of these ways of the world, some of these thoughts, some of these arguments. I'm just going to walk in spirit and in life. Are you guys going to help us hand out the elements? All right. All right, before you hand them out, you can go ahead and pick it up
1: trying to keep the
0: eggs from home. Okay. Bobby, would you uh, pray for the bo- bread first, and then Grace, I'll have you pray for the wine. Dear Heavenly Father, we want to thank you for, for your body. We want to thank you that when we when it's our time to come to you, that we, that we are part of your body and that nobody is left out, that... That everybody will see you coming down,
1: and we just want to thank you that you gave up your body for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Grace. God bless His name. Thank you for the day. Thank you for everything that you do for us, and thank you for dying for us on the cross and rising again, and for our sin. In Jesus' name.
0: Amen. All right, you guys can go ahead and hand it out to everybody. Go ahead and hold on to them and then we'll just partake them together. Remember, we remember the, the what we call the Last Supper where Jesus was with his disciples and he broke the bread and said, this is my body. And, and he took the cup that uh, was traditionally a cup that was left aside. It was a cup that was um, not passed around. And he says, I "Man, this is my blood of the new covenant. And uh, I saw a really neat um, video that, that my sister posted. It's on Facebook. I shared it. But he was talking about how when Jesus was saying that to his disciples, take and drink, this is my covenant with you, it was the same thing that was done with a, a bridegroom, uh, individual that wanted to marry a woman. He would take this cup of wine and he would pass it to her and say, this is my covenant, you know, drink. And then she had the opportunity to say, wait, uh, <laughs> don't want any part of this or I'll drink. And she would drink. And then of course, you know, he had already made arrangements. The father made arrangements with the opportunity to ask her, there would be a price paid for him to be able to even ask that question and after she drank of it and she agreed then they were in that engagement period which for them really they kind of looked at it like marriage and she would be called from that point on one who was bought with a price and they wouldn't even communicate for a while after that because he'd go back to his father's house and he would build a room onto his father's house you know a mansion (laughs) a room onto his father's house that would be for her and when the father said it was ready Then he would come and get her. The only way they communicated was the friend of the bridegroom might take messages back and forth, you know. Um, mark yes, mark no. Um, <laughs> do you still like me? Um, and they and they would do that, and that's about the only way they communicated. But then there was going to be a day when he would come, and when the father said it was ready, then they would go and they'd bro- blow the shofars, and they'd come, and the bridegroom would come ahead. The bridegroom cometh, and there would be a great celebration as he came into the area where she was, and she would be waiting for him and come running down the steps, coming running out, coming down the aisle to meet him, and they would be joined as husband and wife. And and he was talking about, man, what a beautiful illustration and idea and understanding of that's exactly what it is with Christ. He's saying, I'm going to go away now. In my father's house are many ancients. I'm going to make a place for you. I'm going to return. We're not really going to be talking, but I'm sending the comforter to be with you. But one day you'll hear that voice of the bridegroom and you better be ready remember the the parable of the virgins you know some of them had oil they had their lamps they were ready some of them weren't they went to go get some oil the bridegroom came they went to the marriage and the ones that didn't, weren't ready were locked out. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. We need to be walking in resurrection power now. Because who knows? You know, as we're walking above the air, not even touching the ground, <laughs> we'll be up there a little bit higher when he comes, and maybe we can be first in line. <laughs> and the way to do that is by being last now, being that servant of many, being productive, being able to share, being to help others and walk in love. And so let's partake of the body and blood together as we think about those things. Father, I thank you that you sent your son down to die for our sins according to the scripture, that he raised from the dead according to scripture, and that, Father, we have an opportunity to walk in newness of life, walk in that same spirit that raised Christ from the dead. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us, how much more will he give life to us and ability to share and bring life to others? Help us, Lord, to walk in life and in truth and in a spirit of life and to walk free from the law of sin and death. Help us, Lord, to bring that living water that flows out from inside of us, from your spirit, and share it with others. Help us, Lord, to bring the bread of life to others, to be able to partake and eat and never hunger again. Help us, Lord, to be able to bring that freshness of the wind of your spirit into this world that is in darkness and to share the light of your spirit in those that are afraid, in those that tremble and are cold and in fear and just wondering what they need because of the darkness. Let us be those that bring light. A city on a hill cannot be hid, Lord, and we ask that you will help us to walk in boldness, walk in truth, walk in victory, walk in love. And walk in forgiveness as you forgave us. Help us, Lord, to focus more and more on your resurrected Son, Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, throughout this week and throughout this year. In Jesus' name, amen.